Kreatif Degenerate angels, and welcome back to Tales of Taboo, your favorite exploration of elusive subcultures, the road less traveled, and all people, topics, ideas, and experiences that, for whatever reason, are outside the bounds of what is considered socially acceptable. My name is Allie Weiss. I am a native New York performer, writer, and on air host known for my big eyebrows big opinions, and title as the self-proclaimed Princess of Taboo. For anyone who's new here, welcome. This podcast is unlike anything else in a terribly oversaturated market because most of the episodes are composed of anonymous confessions from our listeners around the world. However, every once in a while, I'll do a one-on-one on-the-record interview with someone I meet or admire, who in some way, shape, or form has lived an unconventional life and done so proudly and fearlessly. Overall, this podcast is not meant to shock. It's a fearless but fundamentally heartfelt exploration of why we are afraid to be different and why certain people are seen as less human than others just because of choices they make, especially when those choices often deliver the most meaningful life lessons. So besides relishing... (laughs) What a theatrical, campy word. Relishing. I love it. Um, Besides relishing in the privilege of getting to know people I admire, I have two specific hopes in doing one-on-one interviews. Um, The first is to ask public figures questions that they've never or rarely been asked by journalists or other podcasters, both of whom I feel are becoming increasingly less original and more afraid to piss off or potentially offend people of influence or their PR, more like it, um, in any capacity. And I think that's such bullshit and so meek. Because if you're lucky enough to get an hour with someone of any sort of public importance, why the hell would you not take a risk and ask them the things we're all actually wondering about, rather than the things you feel will make them like you? Because being liked is not your job as a storyteller. And the second goal of these interviews is to inspire more of you with they're out of the ordinary stories, and then hopefully encourage you to become anonymous confessors without fear, realizing that successful and or wealthy and or prominent people have a lot of problems too, which is so lit to realize. Like, everyone's miserable. J'adore. Um, this week, I am very stoked to present you with my interview with Katie Maloney. I think I might be the last person on earth who has never seen an episode of Vanderpump Rules. 
I don't really watch that much Bravo as a whole, honestly. I know, shock, awe, terror, disgust. Um, but I'm obviously hyper aware of the chokehold that it has on pop culture. And I am absolutely fascinated by the decision of Bravo celebrities to totally give up their anonymity or any sense of work-life balance, really, to bring viewers along on all the most interview details interview intimate, intimate details of their personal lives. Um, And in the case of the Vanderpump cast, they've been on TV for the past 10 years. Dude, if I started my TV career as a teenager and had all of my bullshit and growing pains on the record, I think I would die of embarrassment on the daily. But even though Katie is a central focus of the newest season and all over the press because of her divorce from longtime partner Tom Schwartz, who's also an OG cast member. She has not died of embarrassment. Actually, it's been quite the opposite. She's a strong and pretty fearless person who doesn't care what you think of her. So I was really grateful to have her in the studio with me when I did, which was right in the middle of my accidental TikTok boohoo scandal. And I'm even more grateful that she and I have since become friends. I hope you enjoy our chat as much as I enjoyed having it. Also, I have linked my guest slot on Katie's podcast in the episode description, so you all should check that out as well. Um, We get into our mutual lack of a college education and defying tradition and my abortion and a lot of other just honest, juicy goodness. Now, without further ado, this is Tales of Taboo. You get into some like housewives for sure. I've tried with the housewives. They scream a lot. Uh, well, I mean that is kind of like that is sort of no. I know the theme through all the shows. I know, but it's like I think just like growing up in like a New York Jewish family where everyone just screams all the time. I'm like, the reality is too. It's too real. Oh, too relatable. <laughs> yeah, I'm like everyone just screaming and being drunk. I'm like. This is trauma. I turn off the TV. Uh, no, not even traumatizing. It's just I turn off the TV and I'm like, fuck, like here it is. Like I can't. You're like, get is that break. coming inside? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> coming. Mom? We mentioned your divorce and you being single. And I I kind of would love to like start there. As I said to you earlier, like I have not watched a single episode of the show. So like I haven't really followed the drama. Mm-hmm. But I did click around the internet preparing for today. Oh God. And I was like, no, no, not even <laughs> oh God. I was just, I noticed how many sites were talking about the divorce. And I don't actually want to talk about the divorce itself. I more want to talk about for you like what that experience is like of being in a profession where it is expected for you to share these details of your personal life. Because some of it I understand is like fun and you know campy or like adds to the allure of like tuning into whatever the new episode is or the next season. But this is stuff that's like very real and very painful. Mm-hmm. And I do wonder what that feels like not just now, but like throughout the duration of your career of like the expectancy for you to talk about these things to like millions of strangers. I, you know, you can push back on that as much as you want, but you know, if you don't do that, then there's just going to be speculation and rumors and gossip. And that's what I can't stand. I would rather just tell the truth and come out with it. I don't want people to 
be speculating whether or not it's happening or why it's happening. I would rather just be like, this is what's happening and this is why. And that's the story on that. Um, Because there's nothing worse than someone coming up with their own speculations or, you know, reasons as to why. I think I just like have a hard time digesting that the options are kind of lose-lose. It's like yeah, right. either yeah. either tap into this like dark shit that like you don't really want to share with all of these strangers, let alone, you know, even people in your life sometimes if you don't feel ready to like talk about that stuff. Or you have yeah. to sit back and let people take your own narrative away from you. Like I think it's very refreshing to hear you say like, oh, just, you know, it comes to the territory, that's that. But there is also a part of me that's like, oh, like, I'm like, my like gut hurts like on your behalf. And that's why, you know, we tried to not share with really anyone initially. uh, So that way it didn't get out there. Yeah. And it wouldn't, you know, leak. Because there's still going to be that speculation. Even if if you say exactly in plain bullet point English why people are still going to be like, well, I don't know. This is what I think really happened. Right. Here are the truth. Here are the facts. Here's the truth. But here's what I I think about it. (laughs) To me, I think there's also just something kind of like cathartic about it too and relieving to just have things out in the open. Yeah. Even if it's painful, I haven't really had a ton of privacy and anonymity over the years. So just having things like totally out in the open. And that's the thing is like Tom didn't we we weren't sharing it, but then when it started to to get out there and people were speculating and asking and I was like, can we please just put it out there I'm like it is it it kills me more to not be living in the truth yeah and not have things just out in the open than to just have to sit and have people like look at me weird or ask questions right have to lie about what's really going on for me it's just it's it's much more freeing to be honest about what's going on even if I don't owe that to anyone like once people know your bullshit, it's like annoying, but whatever. But I think the anxiety that comes with like waiting for something to leak, you know? Yeah. Like yeah. waiting for somebody to say something that they shouldn't say, mm-hmm. that's like a hundred times more nerve-wracking than, you know, sitting and saying like, it hurts to say, but but this is this is what it is. And especially, you know, for someone in your position where part of your job description is like going on talk shows and doing podcasts and talking to journalists where, like, I was kind of just, again, I know it's part of your job, but I was kind of horrified. Like, how many journalists would, like, ask you things or or write these articles over and over and over again that were, like, prying into the details of your divorce? I'm like, God, like, it's your divorce. Like, I know journalism is a business. I know TV is a business. And, like, you're right. Like, of course, when you step into the role you're in, you subject yourself to that. But... I didn't see a lot of like decency anywhere. No, and that's and that is where I go on a visual diet of yeah. of looking at things or if I see any kind of post or something like that I need to just mute things or block things. So it's not fun to see those things, obviously. The experience that you had with watching the show evolve as like social media and the media as a whole evolved because you're in such a specific um, position. Vanderpump 
went live in, what, 2013, I think, which was, like, right on the cusp of Instagram, like, becoming a thing and YouTube, like, becoming a thing with, like, vloggers. And so I feel like in the beginning, um, there wasn't as much access to you guys and also, like, the parameters of what your job description was was a little bit more cut and dry of, like, you show up, you, you film, you do your thing, like, you have your obligations and that's kind of that. Whereas when social media started to boom, there was this expectation of like also being an influencer, also like being subjected to millions of people's opinions as opposed to just like a couple snarky people who were like journalists or bloggers Hmm. on the internet. So I'm like super curious to hear about what your life looked like for like the first early years of Vanderpump and then how it started evolving when, like, the influencer landscape became a thing and everyone had, like, a million opinions on Twitter, not just in terms of, like, people's judgments on you, but also how how you felt like you needed to, like, present yourself. Two things were happening at once. There was, yeah, the, the social media was on the rise of becoming, like, an influencer space. Yeah. And our show was like you know gaining popularity around the same time but th- those things were happening like over the course of a couple years yeah, you know so yeah while the show was gaining more viewership we were gaining more followers so it's like it was a slow sort of build it was a slow burn we're on tv but i'm still like waiting tables at this restaurant it was a weird thing yeah. to be like on tv but like still like mm, could Barely make rent. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah. just like, it's just like, okay, you know, waiting tables and all that. Um, and then, you know, all of a sudden, all these opportunities to, you know, make money through Instagram started happening as well. Like, oh my God, I can make like, you know, a few thousand dollars more a month, supplemental income. Like, that's really cool just through yeah. Instagram. So, like, oh, well, like, the more followers we get, the more money we get. Like, that, like, that, it dawned on us that there's like this whole other, like, sort of like side hustle, if you will. Yeah, Instagram. for sure. Trying to navigate, like, how you market yourself on Instagram while you're, you know, a waitress, but, you know, and then on a TV show, it's like, it was sort of like you couldn't just be like, <laughs> and influence the way that like fashion bloggers were influencers on Instagram like you know because it it, so it's just sort of like all right so you just have to put your personality I don't know I I never even to this day I've really fully figured it out we were just posting pictures of our you know omelets or what yeah (laughs) like like, I don't know just whatever we were doing I went back in my Instagram recently and like one of my first posts it was literally like coke bottles and like a thing of ice it was like a bunch of cranes in the sky where like I liked the way they were arranged I was like wow like what a wholesome and innocent time we just posted whatever like we didn't genuinely we did not think about it I want to go back to that just not overthinking what I post. Do just it. Posting it. I shit do. posting. I know, but that's what they call it. Shit posting. Shit posting. Where you just <laughs> dump whatever you want to post. I know, but I've been jaded. When did you stop working as a waitress? Like, what was the moment for you when you were like, "I do not have to do this anymore"? It it kind of just when it became too hard <laughs> no, were people no, no. coming in like well, looking for you um so we had to start kind of modifying shifts a little bit because it would be just people yeah wanted to come in and just like kind of do, take like pictures all the time like I, <laughs> I like so I started having like smaller sections to the point where I would just come in and like you know just 
help like take I would help out if you yeah. know like just be there you know because it was just yeah people were just coming in and wanting like photos and I couldn't or they'd be like can you go in the lounge and take pictures I'm like well I'm supposed to be in the restaurant yeah. like, what if I don't come back for 15 minutes and I get sat three times you know what I mean like yeah. it was just I, I didn't want it to be more detrimental to you know the flow of the the restaurant yeah and it put burden on the other staff because you know we, we do pool tips and everything and it wouldn't be fair for me to be there and having everyone else like do more work not having watched the show like I don't have very much context but just the idea that you guys were expected to like bring people like a fucking piece of fish when they were there to like kiki with you and like take pic like this is weird for you yeah, yeah. That's like a weird experience for you being like, I can't really and do my job. There was definitely times where I didn't always feel safe. Not like life-threatening things, but you know, we, we do have to remember that this is a bar. Yes. Uh, you know, sort of environment where there's drinking. And when there's drinking involved, people tend to let their, you know— inhibitions uh, go. 100%. And they feel like they, in the, and when they feel like they know you and, and they that get they excited, are entitled to you and the, yeah, way. they will kind of say whatever they want and sometimes it's not always nice and you know, I can't and I have to just always be like and smile and take it and it's like that's not really fair. No, of you course know, it's not. I, I can't just smile and, and, and say like, oh, thanks when people are like, Oh, like I don't like your hair like that. Why don't you? No, no, no. Why don't you cut your hair? Like, remember when you had your hair short and like, what you know? Like, People say like, that. To they you. would comment on like your looks and comment on your relationships with people and and it's just like and it's and it's also it's just like they're excited. I know, and without them, we wouldn't have a show. But it's like sometimes it's like I don't think people understand that. Like sometimes it's also just like rude. Was there like one moment for you where like, or I guess for the, for the whole cast, where like one day you were like oh, shit. Like, it went from being like, oh, we're on, like, a show and this is fun to, oh, my God, like, we're, like, maybe a little famous. People, you know, you'd be at, like, the grocery store and someone would be like, you look familiar. Did, did you go to, like, Cal Poly? And you're like, no. And they're like, God, I don't know where I know you from. They'd be trying to figure it out and they'd be asking you, like, what schools you went to and then, and they wouldn't let it up and then finally you'd yeah. be like, do you watch, like, Bravo? Yeah. And, you know, you'd, you'd have to finally, like, like handed to them and yeah. they'd be like oh my god in like the first two years or three years of the show were you able to kind of like do what you wanted to do in public without worrying about surveillance like I had this conversation with another um, reality star a former reality star about how you know in the like the 2010s it, it, there was kind of more of like a work-life balance where like you could kind of decide to like be famous or be a public figure. Like you showed up, you did your job, you did your filming, like you went on whatever TV show, you did your interviews, but you didn't have to worry about like the second you step outside your house, everyone could potentially be taking pictures of you or like this idea that maybe no place is safe depending on like if everybody recognizes you. And so do you remember ever having a time where like, being a public figure was just kind of fun and like not stressful or do you think that you were always kind of hyper aware of the fact that like you were for like lack of a better way of putting this becoming public property uh, only up until like more recently because with Dumois and stuff where mm. people will take pictures or there's like the sightings of spotted yeah. and everything that that people not like not encouraged but there's there's a place for people to to want to like write it you know and, and report yeah where you're at yeah when you're there who you're with and what you're doing paparazzi has never been a thing unless there's something scandalous oh, really? going on like the only time 
they've ever bothered me is when Tom and I went, we're going, you know, we announced our divorce and then they would like, you know, maybe follow me around for a couple of days. So like now I got to like behave in public. In your position as somebody who has kind of like been through the ringer on TV, like you've been drunk on TV, <laughs> yeah, like you've gone into like fights on TV, like people have seen you at like, you know, lower moments does that make you like more immune to like looking dumb potentially in public <laughs> yeah I mean like do you, you've seen some of my worst moments already on this show so it's kind of like well I mean for so I think for, for people to see that like IRL not on TV like I don't necessarily like want to just behave like that all the time I've also <laughs> I've also grown up a lot like since then so like I think those days are truly behind me um so having spent so many years on TV what I let me almost 10 right for Vanderpump yeah uh, so yeah we just wrapped our 10th season yeah crazy like going through basically growing up in front of like everyone's eyes um have you ever sorry if this is like a weird question but it's like <laughs> have you ever experienced any sort of like dissociation like any feeling of like because you're on tv and people are exposed to your image and you're exposed to your own image like online and like in magazines and whatever like do you ever have the feeling of like not feeling human or do you think that all of these years that you've spent in the public eye have like allowed you to kind of like do what you need to do to make sure that you're always like grounded in some way because I, I think I'm like particularly interested in people who not only have like been on tv or like been in movies for a long time but ha have literally like grown up in front of the camera yeah oh my god that's a really good question um maybe both honestly I think there's there's yeah <laughs> a balance of both of being like a little disassociated learning along the way and, and growing from everything that I've been through too and not just pretending that it was like not real or fake or just like pretend you know I mean everything yeah. that happened was like real so it wasn't just like I clocked in and clocked out right but I mean it feels like it's it, feel, it also feels like it's been a dream too <laughs> like it's yeah. just like flown by so fast when I started, I was 25 or 26. I think, are you even the same person as you were back then? No, so it's so of weird. course so not. I don't know if it's like disassociation or not, but it's just kind of like such detachment from who I was when I started all this. Yeah. And I mean, I, I feel that way when I look back on any footage of me that's like <laughs> on the internet. Yeah. And, you know, I think for me, like the hardest thing was, I don't know if we talked about this on your podcast, but I had like a little scandal with Barstool Sports when I was 23. And I was like participated in this, um, basically like competition that they had for like a job at the, the network, media company, like whatever it's called. And I, I was so young. I was just out of college. I was 23. And I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. And I was just like, oh, this like seems fun. Let's like give this a shot. And I was the only girl in the competition. And like long story short, I basically got publicly humiliated. Like it was just not the right environment for someone like me. And I think at that age, I was really like desperate for validation, like especially from thousands of like men you know <laughs> and so I ended up like there were some positives in terms of like the response that I got but I also got like devoured and like eaten apart and it came back like for years I managed to sweep it under the rug 
But then it came back, was it, la- I think it was last year when this like article came out about Dave Portnoy and I like contributed to the article, not like slandering him, but like more of just the general like bullying culture that I experienced when I was on the computer, like in front of everybody. And then the bullies like came back. And like all these years later, I got like basically redestroyed. And I was just thinking of like, wow. I am so embarrassed by like this one isolated incident when I was 23, just because I'm such a different person now than I was Mm -hmm. then. And it's like upsetting to me that that lives online forever. And that like, if you Google me, it's one of the first (laughs) things that that comes up. And so we, you're right. Like we do all grow, we do all evolve, but it's just, for me at least, it's more just like, fuck, like that's, that's in the archive and it's like always accessible. It's, it is a little troubling when I think about some of my (laughs) less inspiring moments being immortalized like that but you know what it is it is in the fabric of who I am and it's why it's a lot of like why am I as cool as I am now and as awesome as I am now because I have come so far from that person and had I maybe not had some of those experiences that you know I wouldn't I wouldn't have you know been able to grow uh, yeah. into who I am today. I mean, you know, I mean, God, I could still be doing those things or, you know, I could, I, I just think that um, there's a good takeaway from it all. So let them, let them live on. But it's a little weird now because when I meet people and it's like, I never thought I'd end up, you know, single again. And, you know, a lot of guys, it's, you know, they don't often watch a lot of bravo yeah. and they're like, oh, so the show, sh-. Like, let me like look it up. Let me check it out. I'm like, please I was like, you know, don't. actually like it's, you don't got to, it's not a prerequisite. Just like, right. also like, do you really want to like watch the, like my entire like relationship? Do you, you know, like, yeah, I, I don't know. I just don't know. Do you, do you feel like fans and like spectators have been able to grow with you and like allow you to grow up or do you think there's still like people who get stuck in decisions that you made in the past oh i i think some definitely have um i, I hear that a lot from people when that have watched the show from the beginning that are like oh my god like i've totally like I feel like we grew up together yeah, or it's crazy. weird when they're like, I've been watching you since high school. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but, you know, there's some people that are just like, you know, I've always, they don't say this to my face, but, you know, you read stuff. They're like, I've never liked her. And I'm like, well, yeah. that's because you are of terrible taste. Yeah. You know? um, but, you know. <laughs> Thank I, you. I, I'm, I'm uh, adopting that. I need more of that energy in my life right now. You know, if you don't like me, the there's just something wrong with Wait, you. Wait, there's something wrong with you. You have <laughs> shitty taste, just objectively. You have shitty taste. Yes. yes. Because, like, or or if like, they, they might really stand someone else, and I'm like, oh, well, that would explain a lot about yeah. you then. Right. You must have not done any growing since you've been watching the show, and that's yeah. why, because I've just outgrown you. That's, like, a really good segue into another thing I wanted to ask you about, which is, like, the way that you feel you've been portrayed. Just from what I've read, it seems like, and we kind of talked about this, too, that, like, there have been moments of you being pigeonholed into more of, like, a quote-unquote, like, mean girl role or, like, negative or just, like, whatever. Everybody on the show, like, faces negative commentary. Mm -hmm. But when you compare who you know yourself to be versus the way that you have been edited into do you feel like th- th- it's pretty accurate it's pretty parallel or do you feel like it was it kind of went off course 
Um, no, I mean, I don't think it's like necessarily like being edited and, you know, because you, you can, they only can work with what you're, they're given. Let's, yeah. Let's face it. I mean, and this, the thing is that we film so, so much and there's so many cast members that like, you know, they can't tell, you know, this is, this is Katie's perspective on everything this season. It'd be great. Everything needs to be streamlined to tell, you know, like really kind of like, uh, the story of what's happening. If what you're like really giving is being very assertive <laughs> in your opinions, that will come across as kind of being maybe stubborn or maybe bitchy or you I know what, what whatever it is. Like what what you're giving is what what the audience is going to get. I know that my personality, I can just I can be very assertive. My delivery, my tone, and everything is direct. Yeah, it's not. It's it's not. I don't. I don't coddle. I don't. Yeah. I don't sugarcoat. Nor I don't anything like that. You. So so for for people that know me personally, know that it's not coming from a, like a negative place. It's it's coming from. It's always it's coming from a good place. But it's yeah. just like I don't always have like a lot of patience or tolerance for people that you know don't wanna, deserve that. That want to act up. Yeah. We got we we got forty five minutes to you know make a entertaining television program. Yeah. And they don't have time for for Katie to explain what she meant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so so I can't. I don't fault. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't fault them for that. And if I feel like I've come across bitchy or anything like that, then I. I really mostly need to take that up with myself. So you never feel any like bitterness or animosity towards like any of the producers or the editors. There, there's times where I'm just like, well, I don't really feel like it totally happened that way. I think, I think maybe we're like kind of like missing a big, you know, like whatever big chunk of valuable context. Well, I mean, I think okay. For instance, with uh, I'll use James and Pride for example when he. T- I don't know if, if people listening, you might not understand. They all list or so, watch, rather. So there was this thing where he was very intoxicated. Yeah. And he told me that I needed to lose weight. But my shorts weren't working for me and I needed to lose weight. But what had happened before that, he, again, he was very intoxicated. And he was walking through the parking lot. He had just, you know, said some shit to my friends. And he had his particular shorts were, were falling now below his crotchal air crotch I don't want to say below his you know but like yeah, I was like whoa yeah. okay and they were also twisted to the side so I was like James bro we gotta pull up the shorts like can you fix your shorts what's going on here yeah like, fix them up pull them up you're we can see everything we can see it <laughs> you know what I mean? so I, I was just like dude like what's going on with the shorts fix them pull them up da, da, da. like yeah you're, you're undressing right now. <laughs> you know, because I don't know if he could tell. I don't know. Yeah. Like, he was sweating. He was drunk, you know. So, I, I kind of, I was, I suggested he fix his shorts. And then he was like, what about your shorts, babe? <laughs> you know, he's like, you shouldn't be wearing those. Da, 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 da. Lose some weight. And so, um, but, but you don't hear like the full first right. part of that where I'm just like, what's yeah, going like on with this? I was like, dude, your shorts, your shorts. Your pants are falling down. Da, 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 da. Let's fix this. Let's fix the shorts. Let's pull them up. <laughs> yeah. I can see balls, <laughs> essentially. But you you only hear like the last end of it. Da, 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 yeah. Because he's like, what? What? And I was like, fix the shorts. Um, and so everyone says that I was antagonizing him. You were antagonizing him. You were you were shaming his clothes. You were body shaming him or something like that. I was like, oh my god. You didn't even see what right, I you, saw. Right. If you saw what I was seeing, it would have all made sense. Right. And what he came back at me with made zero sense. Yeah. 
It and was then, just like a nasty drunk. He, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then he had called me fat for like the 10th time. So I went to my boss and I was like, I'm done. Yeah. Like, or he can be done. But yeah. like this is, this. he's harassed and said shit. But I mean, I don't want to like regurgitate all this. But anyways, but yeah, he ended up getting like fired. And people were mad at me because they think I was being dishonest at least and all that so it's just kind of like okay well th- that was a frustrating incident because it was kind of like you know and I don't think and I don't think they did it on purpose because I think they didn't really think that anyone was going to take right, it that right, way but right. I was just like well maybe if that p- first part was in there I would have been you know yeah I don't know yeah that sucks and I just I also think that now we are very <laughs> much living in a time where for whatever reason, every single viewer of every single show thinks that it is their job to say exactly how they feel about everyone at all times. Yeah. Like, it's, you know, you think about not that long ago when, like, you came out with a TV show or a movie or whatever, and you knew that there was going to be, like, a critic from, like, every major newspaper or magazine. And, and they might tear you into an asshole. It might be awful. But, like, it's one criticism, and then it's done now with every single episode or every single happening within like a cast or a a world it's like tens or hundreds of thousands of people telling you exactly what they think and Mm -hmm. you know you and I were chatting about this before we started recording but it's like I'm at the time of recording this, having my first experience with this because of our little boohoo TikTok drama. <laughs> and I am just like, wow. Like, even if you don't believe what people are saying about you, even if you know that what they're saying is bullshit because they were not there and they don't know your intentions and they actually have zero context about anything— when you hear like the same negative feedback repeated a certain amount of times, eventually like it does hurt. Yeah. And and I I can totally speak to that too. I mean, even if yeah, if you don't believe that, I mean, I've I was body shamed to like Ugh. no end. And and even though it's like I didn't really believe that stuff about me but when you see those kind of stuff all day long right, like over and over and over again it, it will creep in it will creep into your psyche and it will it will totally eat away at you and destroy your confidence and and your you know self-image of course yeah mm-hmm. oh and it's also just like the body shaming stuff man like i just think that this whole thing about body positivity is often so fraudulent and like I don't want to get in trouble or like have people come after Mm -hmm. me for saying this but like yes we have more people who are in public spaces with different types of bodies and yes it's nice to see more representation but the amount of fat shaming that still exists on the internet especially if you are a public figure, whether that's, you know, a a reality TV star or an influencer or what have you. Like, again, it's what I was saying earlier. Like, people feel entitled to your body. And I am shocked that people are continuing to, like, preach body positivity when I still see so much negativity. And for me, my thing is always honesty, right? Like, if Mm -hmm. we're just not there yet as a society, like, if we are trying to become more open-minded, we are trying to become more accepting. Okay, like that's valid. We're trying. But I would rather people just say like, yeah, we're all still fat phobic or like there's not still room for a woman to be having a fucking hard time in her life. And 
gain weight. Like, I, I just can't stand, like, the fakeness and the hypocrisy of, like, we all love our bodies now. Well, I don't think— we, like, don't. Yeah, I just think that's why more, more people try to go the route of body neutrality, where it's like, we're not trying to just be like, woohoo, like, love your body. It's just, right. just kind of like just being whatever about it. I don't know. I think neutrality is probably— the most accurate representation of that, right? Because it's like we wake up in the morning and sometimes we're having a good day and we're yeah. like, you're the hottest bitch alive. And sometimes you have a bad day and you're like, I'm Shrek. And both are valid. And I think I think it is it is a great way to manage expectations too. Yeah. <laughs> How have you dealt with it? Like what has your, what has your attitude been publicly? Like if you've chosen to respond to some of these people and like how have you felt Internally, like, have you been able to like hype yourself uh, back up? Um, I got, I don't, I mean, I used to respond all kinds of ways. We'd just be like, fuck you, I don't care. I mean, a lot of it's just too, like, in the way I like dress and things like that. Just be like, you need to learn how to dress for your body. I'm like, what? What? What, what year are we in? You know, because yeah. it's like, I would wear things that weren't flattering to my body because I'd wear like things that were like baggy or oversized. I'm like, well, I like things that are. Right. Also, is this like, like a 1950s women's magazine? Like, exactly. dress for it's your like, body? Newsflash. I like things that are baggy. You know, as that, like, I don't want to dress for my body. That is so fucking weird. Um, <laughs> you know, it just, it's just like, I like to dress the way I like. I love your delivery of everything. It's just <laughs> so good. You're so funny. I just, I think, um, I don't know. I just think that people need to, like, shut the fuck up. And now it's like, I don't know. And then I like lost some weight and then people are like, keep going with the diet, babe. Maybe I'll get there. And I'm like, <laughs> what the actual fuck? I, you know, it's, it's not going to end. It's not going to end. And so I just, I don't know. At this point, at this point, I've, I've become like real numb. Not in a bad way. Not like, no, no, numb, no, I get it. Not though. that it like doesn't, but I'm just kind of like see it. And I just like, it just doesn't. Doesn't phase It you. just, I'm so unfazed by any of it now and even it's and also even when i get like compliments i'm kind of like thanks but it it doesn't like you like don't care i doesn't make me feel good it doesn't make me feel bad i don't like i understand when it's a compliment and i, and I say thank you but it's like i just don't like any kind of compliments on or like attention to your body it's like yeah because it's like guess what our bodies are going to change Right. They're meant to change. It's going to go up. You know, so it's like, and it's like having like any kind of like compliments paid to weight fluctuation is very. Uh, it's, it's, it's insane. The yeah. fact that people actually take time out of their day to comment on other people's bodies is to me. You know, and I, it's really nice when people want to be like, you look really good. It's like, thanks. But it's like, why can't it be like. Ugh, this sounds so corny, and like Sesame Street <laughs> of me, but like, why can't it be like, you look happy? Yeah, like, it's like nice like to see one. you happy. Yeah. Because you can see when someone's happy. You can mm -hmm. genuinely see it on their face. Like their eyes light up and their skin looks good. Yeah. You know, like the number one sign for me when I'm like depressed or like heartbroken or whatever is my skin turns like gray. Like it, it just looks like <laughs> bad. It looks like I've been like drinking and chain smoking since, which like I probably <laughs> have been. And so if someone says to me like, you're glowing, like I love mm, that because that I probably that means too. that like I'm taking care of my skin, I'm eating well, I'm like taking care of my health. You're glowing. I like that. You're or you look happy. 
<laughs> yes, like the, the self-care routine is is happening and I'm not like obliterating myself with nicotine and vodka. So I just feel like I love a compliment, but it should be about the things that actually matter. Well, yeah, when especially when it comes out to like, when it's reflection of, you know, how you are also taking time to yourself too and what you're putting into yourself. That's what, that's because, because for me, um, when I started, you know, prioritizing myself and happiness, like there was a change in me and it was a positive yeah. change in the way that I looked and the way I carried myself and the, like, it was an inner glow too. So yes. when people commented on that, I was just like, right. Thanks. Thank like, you. That was, yeah. That was, that was when I really like felt alive. That's really beautiful. Yeah. That's like, that would be such a great place to end the episode, but I have one more question I really <laughs> want to ask you. Do you feel like having this massive career in reality TV has like pigeonholed you in a professional way of not being able to explore other endeavors, whether that's like creative endeavors or like being taken seriously as like a, like a musician or an artist or like business-wise. Like obviously I think we've all seen that when you do achieve a certain level of success on reality TV, a lot of doors open for you in terms of like partnerships and building brands. And some people have like a ton of luck with it. But I always wonder to myself, are these people happy? Like, did you enter the reality TV space seeing it as a stepping stone to, I don't know, hypothetically, like being like a best-selling author or whatever? But then once people just start to see you as like being famous for yourself on TV, I do wonder if it's harder to then pivot or if you feel like the successes that you've had, of which there have been many, are like more valuable than whatever it is that maybe you wanted to do before the show? Honestly, yes and no. Um, only because for one, like our show has gone on for so long. So long. And that's great because when you when you get into this and you start a show, you're like, you, you don't know it's going to last one season, two yeah. seasons. I mean, like you, you do it with the goal of it going on as long as possible, obviously. So you want to make a great show. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, I kind of, like, I do feel a bit pigeonholed. I do feel a bit like, okay, well, what do you do after this? It's been a little bit hard. Like, I've, I've, I've tried different things and different avenues in terms of, of creating, trying to create opportunities for myself. Because, you know, you know that, like, no one's going to come and be like, I have a great opportunity for you. Yes, there's sometimes partnerships that come along, but sometimes they're not good fit or they're not, you know, they don't always pan out right. and things like that. And everyone writes a book and everyone, you know, that doesn't mean you're yeah. going to become, you know, an author and, you know, or, and, you know, everyone, I have podcasts, if you have podcasts. Right. So it's like that. And that's just was like another like outlet for me to like, you know, um, have my voice out there. Right. And like own your own narrative. And, well, for sure. For sure. So, I mean, so it is, it is genuinely, genuinely hard to be like, okay, well, I'm, you know, I'm on the show. I have this platform. What else like, can I really do realistically do a, like while I'm also filming the show mm -hmm. that doesn't completely take me out of this and completely take me away from this or I don't have to choose one or the other. Yeah. You know, as long as the show goes on, like I want to keep doing it. So it, it, it is challenging to figure that out because it can't conflict. You know, I can't, like it's, it's actually a lot harder than you think. I mean, because I had, you know, a blog back in the day, but then mm -hmm. blogs aren't a thing anymore. Yeah, well, they should come back. I miss blogs. I know, I do too. I do too. So should I mean, we relaunch blogs? I think, we would have amazing blogs. I mean, you and I have a very similar sense of humor, and I feel like they would be controversial, but <laughs> yeah. like get a lot of viewership. Oh, uh, 
then we get canceled. Um, no, I'm just kidding. But we're not that. Well, I'm not, everyone's just like, what happened with Packer and Pop? It's like, what? What blogs are you reading? Today? Right, literally. <laughs> Wait, tell me what blogs you're reading. And it's like it should have been a makeup brand. It's like, well, I didn't really like necessarily want to do that. I did, yeah. I did like a little. I did a lipstick, but like I didn't know if I wanted to like really do full makeup brand. Um. So yeah, and then, and it wasn't really serving me. And I don't think you should keep doing something if it's not really no, like, absolutely not. making you the most happy. Uh, I don't know. And so, I mean, now I'm doing sandwiches. you know yeah so yeah to answer your question it can it can be you know a little bit feel like a little bit of a pigeonhole and um and feel like you don't you want to do something you want to break the mold a little bit but it's also like into what so what would your (laughs) ideal situation be like if the show were to end and you were just kind of like left your own devices and you could do anything what do you think your happiest life would be only fans (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> totally valid it's 2022 i'm kidding um no one get too excited no i mean genuinely like i've denied my you know uh, i think my my uh you know life experience in in you know restaurant i grew up in restaurant i've worked in restaurants like my it's been my life experience you know so yeah uh so opening up the sandwich shop with ariana it's like been so much fun so far and we're learning so much and i'm really excited about it and we have i mean it's like it's we have plans for it to be so much more and so much so more, awesome. like so much more branding to go to go um is going into this and so i mean we see this being so much more of an opportunity than just, you know, one little shop in West yeah. Hollywood. So we'll see. But um, so, yeah, if the show were done tomorrow, I think I'm going to ride this wave as long as possible. You're a sandwich girl now. I'm a sandwich girl now. <laughs> Once again, my degenerate angels, I'm Allie Weiss, and this has been Tales of Taboo. Congratulations on surviving another trip into the underworld and make sure to collect your souvenir photo on the way out. Just kidding. There is no souvenir photo, but there is merch on my website, www.alleyweissworld.com. We've got the cutest sweatshirts and G-strings ready to cover your body in love. But if you're pinching your pennies but still want to support, the most helpful thing you can do is leave a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify. I know all hosts ask for this and it's high key annoying, but in my case, the more reviews the show has, the easier it is for new listeners to find the show and become future anonymous contributors, which means more entertainment and powerful life lessons for you. Also, please tell a friend and an enemy about this episode if you think it will resonate with them, because word of mouth marketing means I won't have to do something that will embarrass you all, like participating in an Instagram giveaway. Anyway, I hope that you enjoyed your hour with me, and I look so forward to seeing and hearing from you next week. Until then, be good. Follow Tales of Taboo on TikTok at Tales of Taboo and on Instagram at Tales of Taboo Pod. You can find me on TikTok and Instagram at Allie Weiss World. Tales of Taboo is part of the Eve Podcast Network and a Forever Dog production. Produced and narrated by Allie Weiss. Edited by Isabel McMahon. Executive produced by Mariah Nicholas. Intro by Chris Stathopoulos. Forever Dog Productions is Joe Cilio, Alex Ramsey, and Brett Boehm.